I'm not going to hog the stage because we want to welcome our first artist talk back of the week. Let's hear it for Hawk Nelson. We have Out of Eden, <laughs> Love, Peace, and Happiness, um, circa 2004. We have uh, Goatee Ladies compilation from 2007 in the back. Oh, that was really aggressive. I'm sorry. Uh, and then we have a, a real classic from 1996, MXPX's Welcome to Bremerton. I'm going, that's, a, that's an underhand lob. We requested five chairs because... We like the space. There you go, just like that. Yeah. How are you guys doing? I, I don't see any thunderstorms right now. Wait, shush. I'm, I'm saying positive things. Hey, John. Did you know it's the, is it true it's the 40th anniversary this year? Oh, okay, cool. For, <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, when you said that, I so badly wanted it to not be true I just know. because of, like, hey, guys, it's 40. It's no, like it's not. Anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, how many of you guys have seen us before, Hawk Nelson? You've seen us before, a few of you? Cool, cool. Well, we're glad to be back. Um, are there any questions that we can answer for you uh, other than uh, – let's just get the obvious one out of the way. We, uh, my name is not Hawk. We are a band called Hawk Nelson. Yeah, uh, you, uh, I don't mean to be insulting if you already knew that, but we, we have this issue every day for 15 years. So it's worth getting out of the way. But other than that, uh, is that, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's the second question we get every day. It's hard to come up with a band name, right? Like, they're all taken. Um, it was better than the other options. That's true. Bob's your uncle. Chain Link. And, and Jim Dandy. And Jim Dandy. So there you go. So I feel like if you take that information into consideration, we actually did pretty good. So, so that's neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we it has. Uh, so the question was, how how do we feel about uh, the evolution of writing over the last, you know, fifteen years of the band? Right, that was the question. Um, so we have been a band for fifteen years, and obviously when we started early two thousands, like everything was different. Music was different. Culture was different. Uh, I think culture within churches and youth groups was different and so definitely for us like we sort of at that time were really focused on like making really positive music that was vague enough that no one would be like for sure that we were a Christian band because uh, that was like what every band did at the time uh, and I think the idea was that you could go places beyond just youth groups and churches and stuff like that if, you're, if your music wasn't as explicitly Christian. Uh, and so, and we did. We did a lot of clubs. We did a lot of, you know, all kinds of, we did a club tour with MXPX, actually, that was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but as we got older, uh, we changed and, and uh, I feel like culture changed a lot as well. And, 
And we started to see after years of, of playing both non-Christian and Christian venues, we started to feel like our audience was mainly believers. And so I, I think in an effort to serve our audience better, and also as a function of like us growing up and maturing, um, it started to feel like singing songs about girls wasn't really maybe the best thing we could be doing with our time. <laughs> so... Uh, so I, I and I, so it was a combination of us sort of growing and maturing, and then also seeing that our audience really was probably better served if we wrote songs more along the lines of what we ended up writing with, like drops in the ocean and words and diamonds and stuff like that. And so it was definitely something we thought about a lot, and um, and and also with some of the changes we had in the band, we we became a little bit less pop punk and a lot more just like a pop band, and that was largely a function of me taking over the sort of songwriting duties uh, six or seven years ago. And um, I'm just a, a horrible pop. I'm not like pop punk would not be, you don't want to see me do that, <laughs> you know? So uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question. What would that look like? <laughs> no, just no. Just one. Give nope. us one. Nope. <laughs> no, the universe, the, the fabric of the universe is currently holding together. Let's just keep it that way. Um, oh, hey. That's a great question. Uh, it's sort of all over the map. Um, I I feel embarrassed recently because I feel like in the in the in the last. So we put out an album in April called Miracles, and leading up to that album, I had been like writing a ton and and we had been working on the album and so we were very immersed in music and when when i you know when i finish writing for an album i uh i don't want to hear music for a while uh, yeah i'm like i'm like please <laughs> no uh so i listen to podcasts <laughs> nice uh and uh but when 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 we are sort of really immersed in music i think in the last couple of years for me it's been um a combination of i uh, a lot of coldplay and then uh this instrumental artist named Tycho and uh it's it's really all over the place i'm obsessed with this artist named Francis and the Lights uh he does music videos where he basically just dances and oh, yeah. you oh, yeah. can't really decide if he's the worst dancer yes. you've ever seen or yes. the best. It's like, it's the, it's yeah, the it's like, wait, it's is both. he amazing or horrible? Uh, but he sounds kind of like Peter Gabriel, and that kind of makes me happy. Uh, so, yeah, I've, 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 that's been me recently. Dan, what are you into? Uh, yeah, you were always around all this loud music, you know, so when I'm listening to music, it's usually pretty chill. There's a solo artist named Donovan Woods, and, um, like, chill records like John Mayer's record and things like that, just really relaxing music. It I, sounds like me I'm, and Chris, I'm old. Me and Christian <laughs> listened to John Mayer on the way here, and you didn't know that. Ooh, I didn't. I was in the, the B car, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, yeah. Wow. No, that's great. That's cool. We prefer it actually, because then we can clean slate, right? Oh, cool! Wow.
Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, I think we both had awesome youth we did. experiences. Yeah. Uh, what you guys do is amazing. Uh, for this band, we started out in a youth group, actually, and it was our youth pastor, Rick, that really believed in us, even though we weren't very good. Let's be honest, like, we were horrible. You can hear it if you go back. I remember. And, uh, uh, but this is like, he gave us access to the youth van, so we could drive to our first concerts, whether it was little camps around our area or... Um, he let us use the church basement, even though we were loud and there was other functions going on upstairs. And I don't know, he just like opened up everything of his own personally and maybe maybe too much, his house, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, it just made all the difference because honestly, I can say that we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, you never know who you're investing in, right? And every person matters and their stories are all going to have different outcomes, but their reach is going to have different amounts too. So we've been super blessed to go around the world and get to do this for 15 years and yeah i owe it all to this little man named rick kirshner that no one knows <laughs> yeah um i i had good youth leader experiences as well and and my it's funny like i think it's very easy when you get into a leadership role in any place whether it's a workplace or church or anything like that it, to feel like there's there's got to be some system that I have to institute right like there has to be some process because all of us on some level feel most of us any uh, anyway I would say on some level feel unequal to the task of leadership sometimes you know like we feel like the, this is something that is overwhelming I don't know I feel like I'm supposed to know what to say and I don't know what to say I feel like I'm supposed to know what to do all the time and I don't really know what to do and and I think most of us feel this way, and and I think the biggest impact from those years for me was the fact that my youth leaders were present, and and I I, I don't think that the main impact was was like oh this one particular really awesome sermon series I I think it was that they were just there and they were available and genuinely cared about what was going on in my life and I feel like that's more important than than a process or an agenda or trying to make sure that you know you're offering the right things or whatever I just think being present is the biggest deal and and you will teach them so much more about who God is by who uh, you know by by who you are than you will by what you say so like I think about um my dad and uh, my dad's a pastor, and I think he shaped the way that I see who God is, and I think that's really common with da with fathers. Um, but when I think about it, I realize that, like, you know, my my you know my perception of God is that He is good and He is kind and He is loving. You know, like those are things I instantly associate with my perception of who God is. And I don't think my dad or anyone ever told me that God was those things, but my dad is those things, and he was those things to me, and my youth leaders were those things to me. And I, and I think that, that that showed me that part of God's nature, and that really has carried with me into adulthood. So I, I think you've already got what you need. Turning into a bit of a therapy session here. But with my father, he was kind of distant, and I'm wondering if that's shaping some of my views. It might have. <laughs> I'm going to call him. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah, um, being on the road sort of ruins everything. <laughs> Welcome. Um, so, uh, no, uh, you know, I didn't go to the gym today. <laughs> I ate a really buttery breakfast sandwich. Oh, I did too. Um, no, but it, 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 you had two? Well, they were small. They were small. But they were dense. I had two as well. Um, no, uh, well, I mean, like I said, when we started, we were, we were right out of high school. So we were like 20, 21. Yep. And so being on the road didn't really like cost us anything. It was like, uh, you know, we weren't married. We didn't have kids. We were great to leave our hometowns. We were like, that's awesome. I will see you next year. Um, or n- never again. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it was an adventure at first for us. And then as we got older, kind of like what I talked about with the songwriting, like, you know, we got married. I've, I've got, uh, you know, I have my second kid on the way. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that half-hearted clap. That's about right. You don't know what it's you're It's mostly for. amazing. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like the balance is more challenging as, you, as we get older. And we do, when we were started, we did like 250 shows a year. Now we do probably 75. And we're a lot more intentional about, about you know, when we leave home and how long we leave home for. Um, I think staying ground. you know, sometimes we get the, the question, you know, like, how do you guys stay grounded on the road? And it's partially because it's like it's not as hard as you would think uh i i feel like uh, there's a lot of truck stops and uh and um it's not like glamorous i would say well we you know what i'm trying to get at here dan we call it the summer beat down and it beats us down, but we keep going. <laughs> well, this is great. It's oh. not. It's not raining right now. That's true. And uh, and it's beautiful here. And there's so much history. Uh, but but yeah, it, it, summer can be difficult because we're flying around from place to place to place, and um, typically not sleeping very much. Uh, but technology has helped a lot. Like FaceTime. I, I mean, my son knows how to FaceTime me now. Um, and so sometimes like I'll get a FaceTime call from my wife's phone and then I'll answer and it'll just be the ceiling of my house, (laughs) which is really cute. Uh, oh, it's adorable. Okay. Bye. Um, but, uh, I, I also think, you know, technology has helped with, you know, the spiritual side of things too. Like, um, it's so much easier to tune into your churches, you know, like most, a lot of our churches probably all have things where you can tune in one way or another and and that that's gotten a lot easier and i we are very very lucky that we are one of those rare bands that like really likes each other um it's awesome we like legitimately love being around each other so i feel like we have become our sort of own small group in a way and uh and you know we're around each other so much that i think we get insights into each other's lives to where like we can kind of tell when something's going on. Like, but if that's the case, like I think David's going through something. Yeah, right where now. are the other two guys right now? You know? They're doing merch. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nothing's wrong. <laughs> Is David really going through something? Well, I, he he had a rough day yesterday. Oh, that's true. They ended up flying from Nashville to New York City, missing their connection. 
and they were going to fly to Pittsburgh and then drive over. So that they missed that one. So we said, just rent a car from LaGuardia and drive over uh, through the so night. So that's what they did. So they did. And they, what time did they get in? Two or three? Two. Not bad. Come on. You get... You get to be a rock star. <laughs> um, no pressure if anyone wants to talk about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Not on the road. Um, I'm kind of, I like beekeeping. And gardening. He's he's not. He's being serious. And all. It's a, a master beekeeper. All old things like old people do. Um, I use a Langstroth, but I really I have a Ware set up as well, so I've been interested to try that out. <laughs> but, but yeah, with a removable door for like you can observe the hive. Anyways, it's boring. <laughs> Uh, I started doing filmmaking and photography a couple years ago, so um, so good at it. Pretty much every corner of my spare <laughs> spare time. Even today. Oh, you got how many of you guys have kids? Do you remember what it was like to be bored? <laughs> I don't. I vaguely, vaguely. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of what I do. David, our drummer, he got into photography a couple years as well, and he's awesome. Micah, our guitar player, does a lot of writing and production for other people, so you might hear him on records from such people like Chris Tomlin, Toby Mac. Yeah, he got brought in on that. Oh, my gosh. Boom. I'm kind of excited. Well, actually, I'm not going to see them this weekend for King and Country, right? But but that's not till. Thanks, guys. You guys know the schedule. Good job. Wow. 97? I was hoping you were going to say that band 98 Degrees, but, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. How do we come to know Jesus? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a process. I feel like my parents raised me in an awesome, like, Christian home at church, and, and then in my teenage years, you know, did the whole rebellion thing, and then, you know, God found me where I was, and I just felt like he's just showing up every day, and I'm just, it's been such an awesome process getting to know him every day. Um, that's the short version, sorry, but, um, you know, I just love how God will find each of us right where we are. And it's not about being perfect or, you know, having it all figured out. And so for me, that involved, yeah, a few years of making mistakes. And But I wouldn't trade it because I feel like God was there for me all along the way. And um, hopefully I can pass that on to my kids someday. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid, so I uh, I grew up, yep. I knew I usually get a, I usually get some sort of verbal affirmation right there. Because someone in the room has also been a pastor's kid, and they're like, sometimes it sounds like this. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, uh, I grew up uh, with my dad being a pastor, so I obviously grew up around uh, you know, church and hearing everything about Jesus. And I, I remember um, my dad took me camping one time in our backyard. Uh, it wasn't a very far camping trip. But uh, I remember, like, w the, the stars were out one night, and I was probably, like, six or seven. 
and he just sort of like explained to me the story of who Jesus was. And I'd grown, you know, I'd heard about it, but he was like, he really made it personal and, um, you know, asked me if I wanted to believe in him. And that was sort of like my actual salvation moment. But like Dan, it's been a process. Like, um, I think culturally in the church that I was in growing up, my perception of God's love for me was very tied to behavior. And maybe part of that was being a pastor's kid and knowing that like without anyone saying it, I knew that my behavior reflected on my dad. And so if he couldn't, you know, keep his family under control, then how could he lead a church? Right. And so I remember thinking about that a lot. So I always felt like, yeah, I know God loves me, but I need to do this and this and this and this. Otherwise I'm like not a, good Christian or like I'm that's going to reflect badly on myself and my family and and I think that went deeper than I realized and so so I've spent really the last 20 years unlearning some of those things and really realizing that that you know salvation and God's love for us there's a lot more freedom there than we than we really sometimes believe and I think his grace goes deeper and further than we thought and it's not about striving to try and get everything right. Like I think about that in the youth leader situation, you know, like, like doing everything right is not, is not what gets us where we're trying to go. I think that like my wife and I have this conversation sometimes that like, what does it mean to be a good Christian? And you know, like what, what does that mean? And and the only answer that I can find that makes sense in my experience with who God is 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 holding on to your knowledge of how much you need Jesus and and being connected to that as deeply as possible because it's so easy to feel like, okay, I'm saved. Now, good, the grace part is over. Now the works part begins, right? It's so easy to to make that transition without naming it that. And, uh, and you know, it's like, it's almost like we sometimes feel like, you know, grace and salvation is for beginner Christians, but like the works based, we don't want to say it out loud, but like doing things right is what the expert level Christians do. Uh, and uh, that, that just has a tendency to come crashing down on us and, and it, it breeds, it, it breeds, um, uh, arrogance sometimes and 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 that's the source of when we get judgy with each other as believers i think is that is is that and so being connected to our need for jesus consistently and remembering that we need him always is something that i think keeps us close to who he is but it also gives us grace for each other because we're constantly aware that we we don't have it all together so yeah Awesome. That's great. Thank you. That's cool. Thank you so much. That's awesome. I love that you said imagination. That's cool. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Hey, what's your name? (laughs) Pleased to meet you, Crystal. (laughs) I'm Hawk, he's Nelson. Yeah. (laughs)
So uh, there actually there kind of wasn't, if I'm honest. Some songs, like every song of ours, happens differently. Uh, usually, I'll have the idea for the song first. Like with Diamonds, the idea was first, where I was like, I think it'd be cool to talk about how. God uses pressure and stress in our lives to to make something good uh, the way that a diamond is formed. Like I was thinking about that metaphor. And so diamonds started that way. But with miracles, I actually, it was totally backwards. Um, That song, uh, I I wanted to write in Sweden with some Swedish pop songwriters because I love like Swedish pop. It's the best. They're geniuses. Um, so I was over there for like a day because we had some shows in Norway and Finland and I wrote with these two Swedish guys and we wrote what would become Miracles but it was an entirely different lyric. Um, and the, the melodies were amazing. The lyric was not very good. Uh, <laughs> this happens more than you would expect. Well, probably you might expect it happens a lot because it does. But... Um, but we kind of thought, okay, well, that's cool, but like this song isn't really about anything all that meaningful, so it probably is not going to last the test of time, you know? So six or eight months later, I was back in Nashville working on other songs and then um, uh, ended up bringing that song back up in a writing session and going like, I wonder if we can like rework this to be something different. And we were just singing the, oh, oh, the the post chorus tag and like those those repeated three note things and like what feels amazing to sing in those three notes with those melodies and um the guy I was writing with his name was Jason he he was like he just started singing the word miracles and uh it felt so good to sing out loud you know what i mean it was just a word that felt like you could grab onto it and it would and all of a sudden meant something to you and um from that we extrapolated the rest of the song um and uh and and you know sometimes people will be like so like what what made you want to write a song about miracles and i feel like like well those three notes sounded really good is not a very enticing answer. Uh, but right around then is when my son was born. So I was in this frame of mind. And we had a pretty crazy birth situation, which it's really gross, actually. So I'm not going to get into it. But uh, you're not supposed to say that, right? Okay. Um, but <laughs> but I, I definitely can say there were things about the way that my son came into the world that felt miraculous and felt... Like there was something going on beyond just the normal physical reality, and um, so my head was definitely in that space, and uh, and so when when we started writing about miracles, that's what I started thinking about. So. Yeah. We are not. I'm sorry. Is it 15 years? 14 years. 14 years. 14 years since letters. No, I'm... S- You're right. The California EP came oh. out in 03, which had maybe a few songs. That's true. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. We are not. We, we, we get into this. So the, the question was if we're playing anything from our first album. We, uh, for those of you that don't know, 
we had a singer before I was the singer. I was the guitar player. And uh, our singer, our, our previous singer left in 2012. Yeah. And uh, Bart from Mercy Me pulled me aside at a show and was like, you need to be the singer. And I was like, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> and, I, and I thought it was horrible because like a week before, my mom was like, you should be the singer. And I was like, mom, that's a horrible idea. Um, but we, you know, we were very pop punk back in the day, and I had this image in my head of like me trying to sing pop punk, and it was like I've already explained is real bad. And um, and so that's why I was kind of like, well, I don't think that I can be the guy to be the singer. And Bart sort of encouraged us to be like, hey, what if you allow yourself to take the DNA of the band and interpret it in a new way? And so that's really what we did starting in 2012. And uh, we tried to phase out the old songs as quickly as possible because it just feels weird with me singing them. Um, it's, it, it, we, we reworked a lot of them to make them feel different. But for anyone who grew up with our, with our old music uh, and, and they ask, oh, I really want to hear you sing such and such a song, I, I usually try to explain, you don't though. Because I don't want to ruin your wonderful memories if you have any. So, uh, yeah, we, we try to stick to the new stuff. In, in all fairness, like, w we are such a different band now than we were then um, that it's it's almost fair to think about it as a totally different band. So Yeah, we said, like, we restarted a new band with guys that we were already in a band with. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> but we kept the name because, you know, Hawk, he's an awesome guy. Whoever, wherever he is. <laughs> yeah. Who's the most influential artist that you've ever worked with? Wow. That's a good question. Uh, there's a... It's funny. I, I think I think Toby Mac is, is, is a big one because, like, on so many levels, he, he obviously has been doing this a long time. He has influenced Christian music a ton all the way from DC talk into what he's doing now. Um, we've gotten to tour with him. I, you know, I, I, I would call him a friend. Uh, I you have, have his, him. You have his number. Yeah. But I put it as Tony Mac nice. on my phone. Is that his real name? No. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, I, I, I think he has done a really great job of, of showing newer artists, a category we are no longer in, uh, but but showing newer artists how to be true to who you are and to do things uh, really really well and to to incorporate as styles change to incorporate pieces of them in what you do, but to never completely like depart from who you are to chase a trend. I think I think he's done great at that. And then also, you know, we talk about this a lot. Like, if you're in a Christian band, you're blending business, art, and ministry. And everybody blends those three things a little bit differently. Uh, and I think he, he's been a really great example of someone. Like, Toby is a businessman. Oh, yeah. He is smart. He is, he is running a business. But he loves the Lord and and he has done in in my opinion a really really good job of blending those three and not getting lost in the blending you know 
Um, and, and I think that's, he's been a good example to Christian artists in that. He takes really good care of everyone that, yeah. If you watch, if you, if you saw him 10 years ago on the stage or whatever, 12 years ago, and then is he playing this year? He is. Okay. I thought so. I thought I was about to go down the wrong path there. Uh, but if he has almost the entire same band that he had. And crew, which speaks and, so highly, and and he takes care of them um, so so well. I mean, I know that like Tim, his guitar player, one time there, uh, Tim told me not to tell anyone. Oh, okay. But well. I'm telling all of you. Uh, he, uh, you will. his him and his wife, his hot water heater went went out, and Toby found out through the grapevine, and and just like bought him a new hot water heater because he didn't want him to have to worry about it. And, uh, and like, you know, just stuff like that. I think he's, he's a stand-up guy. So. Well, we, could, we could say a lot of good things about a lot of the artists we've been blessed to tour with the last few years. Like the For King and Country guys like, are just so genuinely awesome and nice. There's nothing fake about anything there. I but actually think they've gotten kinder as they've gotten more successful. It's crazy. Which is really rare and amazing. Yeah, because I remember seeing them um, at a show a couple years ago, and they were signing for like two and a half hours with people, right? And I was like, how are they still doing? Like, how do they have the emotional energy? And then they would finish, and they would still like try and like encourage us. And um, they're just just real, and they're just amazing. And then like the Newsboys guys, like I was scared to tour with them a few years ago (laughs) because there was, I don't know, just this perception. And then... Man, Michael Tate and those guys were amazing, amazing people that, like, I don't know, just embody, like, brotherhood on the road. I don't know. They were just, like, amazing. Michael would be side stage whenever we'd finish our our set almost every night, which is super rare. Like, usually if you're doing 50 shows with another band, you'll, like, over the course of 50 shows, you'll aggregate you'll aggregate in in two minute pieces their entire show you'll see the whole show but like two minutes one night two minutes another night not anything for like two weeks because you don't want to um but he would he would be at this you know probably 75 percent of the time he'd be side stage when we finished our show and he'd be like, oh my hockeys my hockeys i love my hockeys that's what he would say all the time and we're like Thanks, man. <laughs> I guess it just goes to show, though, there's a reason why that these artists maybe are successful. Yeah. There's something more behind than just a formula. Um, you know, God's using them, and, and through a team of people, obviously, behind each of them. But there's something genuine about all three of those artists we mentioned, about their heart and, and how they love and respect people, just like God calls us to. So. Totally. We could keep going, or we yeah, could talk what about else? What else do you want to know? Mm. We'll say anything. <laughs> Good question. At what point did we decide to pursue music, like as a ministry? Well, the ministry part is interesting because I think when we started, we weren't thinking about it that way. Totally. I think that we we want we knew we wanted to do music. And we grew up in church, and we believed in God, so that was a part of who we were. Um, so that would come out in the music, but I don't think that we considered it a ministry in the early years. And even still, I, I, I don't know. 
I don't know that that we it's funny I guess everyone defines ministry differently but I think I think for us it's always been like this has been a career and a job that allows us to be open about our faith in a really cool way and I think that if there weren't if there weren't eternal changes happening if there weren't if if we didn't see God working that um that I don't think we would continue to do it. You know what I mean? I, I, there's there's other things that you could do with your life if you if that's not you know happening. So uh, I guess that is the definition of what ministry is, isn't it? No, every I time <laughs> every time I hear a story like that you shared, like that God used the music to impact someone's life in a really meaningful way, it's like oh, like a light bulb goes off. Like that's why we do this, you know and. It's I th- crazy. I think God has been very sneaky with me. <laughs> because growing up as a pastor's kid, I always said, I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to be a pastor. I'm going to be in a band instead. <laughs> and then Clock's and fine. then, and then, just just gradually, God just sort of sneaks this in. And, and, and we find ourselves in a place where like, the thing that we want most in our shows and in our music is to see him work. And, and, and God goes, so still think you're not in ministry. Great question. Yeah, um, actually some great advice. Uh, we have some friends called Thousand Foot Crutch who were this band that kind of started just a couple years ahead of us and they were like big brothers and their singer Trevor would always constantly give us advice like, cool, but maybe keep writing. Um, um, let me help you with that writing. Um, keep practicing. If we're going to record these songs for a demo, uh, I need you guys to nail it because studio time is expensive. I remember just like, all this kind of coaching advice. Um, I don't know if it's possible to, to find more mentors like that, but that was, that was huge. All that advice was huge for us. Just practice makes perfect kind of thing, and we're still practicing. I think that is helpful. Yeah, it was huge for us. I, I also think that, like, <clears throat> I think about this sometimes. Um, so many of us love music, right? And... Um, I think it's possible for for music to be a big part of your DNA and a big part of your life without being your career. Yeah. So, for instance, my my cousin uh, Matt, he's a worship leader at a church. He does that part time, but he has a full time job. And like, I can't imagine Matt not doing music. Yeah. I can't imagine him n- yeah. not doing music. But but it's never really been his career. Yeah. Uh, and so I see that as a big part of his DNA. Um, and, and so I think, you know, for, for youth group kids that you know that, that want to be in a band, sometimes it's easy to feel like, oh, well, I see bands like Hawk Nelson or like I see artists like Toby Mac and I want I to do that. And if, if that is like the thing that they want to do, then that's great. I wouldn't discourage them from, from going for it. But there is this other option uh, which which I feel like is sometimes not obvious where it can and probably it doesn't sound as exciting I guess in certain situations I know if someone had told me that when I was 18 I would have not stopped listening to them probably but but that's one thing and then but then I, other, I also think 
the thing that set Hawk Nelson apart from all the other bands in our local area was that like even before I was the Hawk Nelson was a band called something else before and I wasn't in it yet and I remember seeing you guys practice five days a week I remember seeing you guys like treat it like it was your main job we would all work like you know the car washing or the grocery store jobs or whatever and we would all pool like $250 each a week. There's a band or, tax. Yeah, a band tax. And then with that, we would pool it and buy like our monitors or v- Rick gave us the van, but we would like, if we had to do some maintenance on it or something. And and that was really healthy for us to like have that discipline. Just like any, if you go to school or anything, you have to have discipline. So I don't know. Maybe I should write a book about that or something. <laughs> No. Yeah, What? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that when we started, there was a culture in Christian circles and in youth of like, of the anything secular is bad, right? Anything that's not Christian. It's like, it's like everything was, Christian and non-Christian. There was like two categories and it was very black and white. And so a lot of people would want Christian versions of secular bands. And that's when we came in. Uh, they're like, oh, your kids l- listen to Good Charlotte or Blink-182. Yeah. Here's Hawk Nelson and Reliant K. Yeah. Boom. Uh, and and so, you know, I don't think we thought about it like that at the time. But in retrospect, looking back, that was something that was very much going on. Um And I think that culture has become less like that, which I actually think is healthy because looking at it in this black, this black and white way of Christian and non-Christian probably isn't the best way to like filter what music we listen to. Right. There can be stuff that might be in a Christian section that maybe is not like what you want to be listening to. Or then there can be stuff that's in a, you know that that's not a quote unquote Christian artist but can be really uplifting and really hopeful and um and so i i think culture christian culture has maybe gotten a little bit more intelligent and uh and and also i think this movement toward worship music and like worship music even being on the radio now that that wasn't a ca- the case 15 years ago um i i think that's awesome so i i think I think those are some ways that it's gotten a little bit less like let's all listen to carb you know Christian copies of mainstream bands and a little bit more like Christianity has you know when it comes to Christian music it's almost like the the it's become its own thing where like like you know Bethel and Hillsong aren't necessarily like Christian versions of anything they are their own things you know and I I think that's great i think that's great for artistry i think that's great for our culture as believers um so i see those changes as a positive thing uh yeah are we gonna see you in 15 years from now okay (laughs) (laughs) nice well One one message that we found as a band, and it's so simple, is just like to look at every person and every kid, in and just say you matter, 
you know, like you matter to God. I don't think kids get that message enough. I don't think it's talked about enough. I think a lot of, you know, do this, don't do this, but just you matter. Just they don't always hear that. So that can penetrate uh, in a time when, when they really, really need to hear it. And um, if you guys could do me a favor and if you guys do see for King and Country or Toby or someone in here, can you put in a good word and tell them that Hawk Nelson guys love them? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, I, I, I feel like the, the biggest, the biggest thing for youth leaders a lot of times is feeling, is feeling like you're not making a difference. I feel like sometimes things move slowly and it's really easy to feel like, am I like, you know, if we're, if I'm having a game night, is that really making a lasting impact in these kids' lives, you know? Uh, and, and I promise you that it is. It's like we talked about, like being present. Um, uh, you don't get to see the, the, the growth from the seeds that you're planting all the time. Um, and you might feel like, especially with certain kids, that you're just like beating your head against a wall. You know, you've got that one, right, that just drives you insane. Um, but I promise you are making more of an impact than you know. Um, the, the work that you're doing does matter and, and the little inconsequential things, uh, that feel like they don't matter, I think sometimes can be the things that add up to make the greatest impact. So uh, be encouraged and know that, that you are, you are helping to create functional human beings. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for what you do. Thank you.